This week, we aren't we, but me, as I put a bow on our celebration of Pride Month. Welcome to the Bloody Bits Horror Show. I am your host, Eddie. The Axe Jefferson, and joining me this week is the conspicuous lack of a co-host because I'm putting a bow on the end of our celebration of Pride Month here. And I know some of you are going to be surprised, I guess, but what I'm going to be doing is reading some letters from members of the queer community who have reached out to share their stories. Um, I know generally this is like a horror movie podcast where we come in here and we have like a lighthearted kind of discussion about horror, but frankly, I, I think that this is a very important subject and I really wanted to, to put queer voices forward. And I know I'm not the person to do that, right? I'm like your typical vanilla-ass straight white guy. Um, But maybe that is helpful, right? Maybe to a group of people who need to hear this. So for that reason, um, like I said, I reached out to the queer community and I asked them to join us on the show all month. And we've had some great members of the community come on and talk with us about all sorts of things horror. And I just, I want to I thank them, first of all, for coming out and, and, and talking with us about that. I know it's not, God, I know it's not sometimes, like, sure, we, there's like a celebration month for, for every, uh, everybody in the queer community, or at least an attempt, but also, like, that's, it's a difficult subject matter. Not everybody's so comfortable to be able to. And announce loud and proud what their name is and where you can go find them on social media or whatever. Um, just for various circumstances. And that's the reason, largely that's that's the main reason that I selected the Rainbow Railroad as the charity that we would donate our, uh, our Patreon funds to this month. is because there are people out there in the queer community who need protection. And... The only way that we can do that is by raising awareness and and getting resources out to those people who are in need. So, first of all, I just want to say that for those of you who reached out to let me know that they're grateful for what Tim and I were doing, I just I wanted to say thank you. You guys are really what makes this show happen. I mean, the whole reason that I started doing the show is because, well, firstly, because I love horror movies but mostly it's because well on a personal note um 
I can't stand to be alone with my thoughts for very long. I have kind of a mania that drives me very frequently, and I kind of bounce between things. And there's just something that's very comforting to me personally, um, just listening to people, hanging out and having a conversation, you know, like, like friends do. It's uh, Sometimes I'll listen to podcasts as I'm going to sleep, and in my dreams, I'm, I'm there and, like, trying to interject, and it feels frustrating. Um, that's kind of how deep my psychosis go- goes, I guess. Uh, and I just, I know that there's other people out there like that. And especially during this pandemic, you know, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary that there are a lot of people who feel isolated and alone. And I think even after this pandemic is over, quote-unquote, because we're all vaccinated and now immune to whatever Delta or Sigma variant there is, I think people are still going to feel alone, right? I mean, even if you're not alone, even even if you have friends and family and coworkers and loved ones that you talk to every day, you might feel alone and, and just having a community that, not even a community with the podcast, just having, you know, something familiar, like, like a comfortable old worn-in pair of sandals at the end of the day. Even if it's something as shitty as like you listen to us on your commute, you know, um, and not, not to diminish that, but if, if you get value out of that, then I want to be there for you. You know, plus I genuinely have like the best time talking to people and this has afforded me like so many opportunities to meet all of you and that's wonderful. And if I can produce a show that, that just feels like what it is for me, which is friends and you're all my friends, all of you hanging out and, and talking about movies that we love, then that, I mean, that makes it all worth, worth it, you know? So to everybody who reached out to say that they're grateful for what Tim and I are doing this month, I mean, thank you, but I mean, it's really the least we could do. And, and I hope to continue doing this in, in perpetuity for as long as, as Tim and I both can tolerate each other, I suppose. Uh, and to uh, uh, the one guy that emailed us saying that our podcast wasn't real, I don't I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, man. So I guess uh I should get on to the letters now. Otherwise I'm just gonna ramble all night to you guys and talk about nothing. Hello it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used 
to be when we were younger and free. I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet. There's such a difference between us and a million miles. Hello from the So the first letter um, that I wanted to showcase tonight is from Lewis Stevenson. Uh, Lewis Stevenson is the author of uh, a story called The Red Candle, and he wanted to be named. He wanted, you know, to, to talk about his work um, specifically because he wanted you to read it. So... Here goes. While my twisted tale in this dark anthology may have a few statements made by its gruesome metaphors, it is the relationship between the grandmother and her grandson Craig that is closest to my heart. Although I had some reservations, when I came out at the age of 16, I was determined to tell my entire family during one of our holiday visits. For the most part, it was a heartwarming experience until it was decided after a discussion with my mom and dad that I was not to tell my grandparents on one side of my family due to my grandpa's old-fashioned views. They just wanted to protect me. Ugh. We didn't take into account that my entire life was changing and how that would affect the way I communicated with them. It wasn't for the better. I'm very sad to say. I'm already socially awkward and either I didn't want to or I could not lie to them. I just didn't know what to say. Years later, traces of my love for them both can be found in my writing, most in particular The Red Candle, which was written for my grandma, my way of telling her that even though we never got a chance, I knew she would have loved me no matter what. I'm sorry that we couldn't share that connection in this life. Maybe in the next. And, um, yeah, that's, that's Lewis's note. 
Lewis has uh, released a paperback uh, on Amazon uh, slasher called The Goners is available on paperback and Kindle on Amazon uh, and and he goes under the pen name of Al Stevenson so go go seek that out go find that and go uh, you know share your support with Lewis The next letter that I have to share was um, shared with me by a friend on Twitter who wanted to remain um, anonymous. Um, With all the recent talk of LGBTQ plus respectability and renewed horror Twitter controversy, I wanted to talk about myself as a queer guy who's been out since the mid-80s, and about the rude, challenging, and controversial art that I've embraced for most of my life. I grew up in conservative Orange County, California, in a fairly conservative family. I came of age when I was 14, long before I'd heard of HIV and AIDS. I was a sexually adventurous kid, sowing his oats, and I had fun. And I also had no idea what lie ahead. 
Within a few years, though, I was convinced that I wouldn't live to be 20 years old. I didn't have a reason to believe otherwise. By the time I had graduated high school, I already knew guys who were sick or who had simply disappeared, and this fucked me up. So I fled to New York when I was 18. My first nightclub was the Rock and Roll Fag Bar. In a rundown ballroom, there were go-go boys in combat boots and bad Sears briefs. The MC was a six-foot-six bald punk sex worker, and the DJs played rock and punk music. It wasn't West Hollywood. It was liberation. I found solace from my dread in boundary-pushing horror movies. The more violent the more cathartic. Elsewhere in John Waters' cruising, Quirella, Rocky Horror, queer movies that were enlightening and that are all deeply problematic by current social media standards. I moved back to California a few years later, finally got tested, and to my shock, I was negative. But I had spent too many formative years thinking that I was on borrowed time, too long to shake the feeling that death was imminent. So I picked right up in the early 90s LA and San Francisco club scene, and the zines like diseased pariah news that were full of unsparing pitch black humor about life under a ruthless incurable disease. There was nothing respectable about any of this, but it was a deeply cathartic, sorry, but it was deeply cathartic to shout fuck you to a world that didn't care if we died. Even when things started getting better, when I lived in San Francisco, when AIDS was no longer automatic death sentence, I still sought out more outlets for my anger. Tranny Shack, extreme queer performance art, disruptive, creative, communal street protests, it was all cathartic. It's hard to describe the excitement of 90s new queer cinema. Unapologetic movies like The Living End, Poison, Young Soul, Rebels, Swoon, Edward II, No Skin Off My Ass, The Watermelon Woman, were a revelation. Many of them are problematic by modern social media standards. Even something mainstream like Basic Instinct was liberating. A queer femme fatale gets to be the object of desire, do drugs, party, fuck whoever she wants, and she doesn't get punished. Fuck yeah, I want that fantasy for myself. And it is also deeply problematic. Trauma's war was revelatory for me. When Senior Sida revealed his plan to infect everyone with AIDS, my laughter was deep and soul-cleansing. The filmmakers were viciously mocking mainstream America's ignorance-fueled fear of a disease-killing men they already thought were evil. Lloyd Kaufman saying AIDS is hysterical in the interviews. 
Well, it brought me right back to the rude zines that I loved in the 90s. To me, what Kaufman said for shock value was informed by an understanding of the mainstream complacency that led to hundreds of thousands of deaths. No one can shame me for finding trauma's war cathartic or for laughing so hard at what Kaufman said. I've been going through hell, and at 51 I still live with the effects of gay life in the 80s and 90s. I'm not going to let anyone judge me if they weren't there and they don't know me. And I will never judge or dismiss anyone that was offended by Trauma Wars or Kaufman. The movies, what he said, I know that shit is incendiary. To me, incendiary was the point. To others, even my age with similar experiences, the movie and Kaufman are wildly offensive. I want to talk to those who are offended. I'm a different generation than young queers. I am constantly learning from those I've met on Twitter and older queers who hate the word queer. I hope they'll listen to me and respect that I bring a different history to the art that I love. I still love boundary-pushing art and experiences. It's part of who I am and how I've both escaped and processed a lifetime of trauma. I also know not everything I grew up loving, or still do love, has aged well, and it's crucial that I continue re-examining what I love. Um, uh, anonymous from a friend on Twitter and so while this is a month of pride I appreciate everyone who wrote in or joined into the podcast it takes bravery and for that they should all have pride in the, in the bravery that they displayed um, in their own ways and I think you might have noticed that we don't have in this our final episode for the month an actual final queer voice to to talk we just, we just have me um but don't worry just just keep tuning in because you're going to hear them on the show often and they're going to make their presence felt and they're going to continue to be a part of this horror community that they have had such an instrumental hand in in building uh, and they will always be welcome on the bloody bits horror show with with an open heart 
and with open arms. And if if you want to be a part of our community, if you want to be a part of the show, just all you have to do is reach out to me. Um, because I'm not I'm not done with this. <laughs> you, you're all welcome. And finally, a very special person reached out to me. Uh, it's someone that I grew up with who was kept very private about their experiences. Um, they didn't really have a letter for me to read. Um, I, like I've said a few times, I grew up in a very small town where e even being considered, like, gay was a slur, you know? I, it's That's just where I grew up. And this this person had a hard time with, with Anyhow, they didn't have a letter for me to read. They just wanted me to say that somewhere out there is an awkward person. And that awkward person might be trying to keep up with you. But you need to realize that they might have a bigger hill to climb than you do. So if you can't help them up that hill and they just hope that you can at least get out of the way. Because momentum takes a lot more effort than obstruction. And quite frankly, I cannot think of a better way to end this. <laughs>